Hello, and welcome to the Abundant Life Church podcast and sermon archives. If you would like more information about our church, you can go online to alcalabaster.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, and please enjoy this week's message. I have, for the past probably six to ten weeks, have become amazed all over again how the Old Testament just interlocks with the New Testament. <clears throat> you really, well, I know that the English Bible separates the two and we have to, have to do that for the sake of consistency and flow and all of that good stuff. I understand that. But really, there should not be a break between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant because the Old Covenant is simply ushered in the New Covenant. So we kind of, kind of look at our English Bible and, and put that long pause in there between Old Testament and New Testament, and, right? I kind of used to dread the Old Testament because it was a lot of, lot of lineages and, <clears throat> and, and, and the, <clears throat> these and thous and all this kind of stuff. And, but now then I kind of look forward to it because it ties so beautifully in with what we are living today. So Ezekiel 37, chap, uh, chapter 37, verses 1 through 3, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. <clears throat> and he caused me to pass all around them, and behold, there were very many human bones in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. O Lord God, you know. And then Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, I believe, ties in real nicely with where I want to go today. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. But in everything, every circumstance and situation... Notice the next words. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. We, and I say we because I'm lumping all of the broad range of religions, Christian religions in. We have become very good with taking a black marker and Xing out the words we don't like in the Bible. Not literally, but figuratively, right? Because we keep changing it to meet modern society and all of that. Notice that it's the, the commandment is don't worry or be anxious about anything, but in every circumstance. And then he gives instructions through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Somewhere in your prayer, there has got to be some thanksgiving. Somewhere in your prayer time, there has got to be an old monument you visit and you remember an old victory. And if you don't have a new victory, go visit an old victory and thank him for it. When's the last time we thank God we hadn't spent a night in a hospital this week? When's the last time you went into your baby's room and said, God, I thank you that my baby was born well? that's never had a problem. God, I thank you for his health and her health 
I thank you because we live in a great city and we live in a great country. If you're not careful, you'll get carried away. And now we're thanking God and it's changed our whole perspective because now I've shifted from I need this to you are so great. My need fades in the background because now I'm lifting him up. Amen. And then after prayer petition and thanksgiving, there's another comma there. Continue to make your specific, specific needs known to God. We serve a very specific God. Amen. If you just pray for a car and he sends you some sled, don't blame God. You're the one that just said a car. So why don't you pray for the red one with the tan interior automatic with a sunroof if you don't mind. Right? The word says you have not before you ask God. Now you're saying, well, you've You've gone into the prosperity preaching. No, I haven't. If you have done what is required of you, the Bible says you can make your request known to Him. The Word also says you have not because you ask not. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. Praise You. I ask that You would be with us. God, anoint Your Word. Praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The prophet Ezekiel, if you study who he is or who he was, was one of the four major prophets along with Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel. And the theme of the book of Ezekiel is the absolute holiness of God. And if you look at the four major prophets, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they were major prophets, not because they were more important than the minor prophets. They just simply wrote more, had a lot more content in their books. And if you look at another principle or theme of Ezekiel, it was judgment. So now we have holiness of God and judgment. And these judgments were due largely to the rampant idolatry and the social injustices committed by the people of God. So uh, Ezekiel is addressing that. First of all, he says God is holy. We have to be holy. We have to live a holy life. God's people have always been called out to live a separate life. And as a result of that, they had God's blessings. But when they strayed from that, then they had the, the problems with other people. They were conquered. They were, they were scattered. And then we had to round the remnant back up and get everybody going again. So if you look at this theme, this is where Ezekiel is. The people had strayed away from God. They've had the, the, the justice of God uh, uh, poured out on them. And now Ezekiel's trying to round them back up and preaching the holiness of God and why we're in the situation we're in. And Ezekiel's trying to help gather the people back together. Okay? Ezekiel included very specific chronological references when he received his visions. So Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, is one of the most precisely dated books in the Bible. We can go specifically with dates given to justify or to prove what Ezekiel was writing. For instance, here's how Ezekiel wrote. 
This was around the fall of Jerusalem in chapter 33, verse 21. And here's Ezekiel's writing on the fifth day of the 10th month in the 12th year of our exile. Very specific. Not general, very specific. So the book of Ezekiel is a very specific book. In the fifth year of their captivity, Ezekiel was called to the prophetic ministry. And despite his warnings, the people persisted in their sin and their rebellion against God. Kind of sounds like 2020. The church is raising up flags. The church is saying this and that. And, and most of the, of the world is looking at the church and saying, you guys are old school, y'all are old fashioned, you don't understand. We got everything together. I believe it's the church's responsibility to continually raise the alarm about where we're going if we don't stop. You cannot do stuff against God and get away with it forever. It doesn't work that way. Amen. We can do that if we choose to, but then when God pours out his judgment, we should not be surprised. Ezekiel envisioned a time when God would pour out his spirit on all people. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 31, which we know is a direct prophecy of what was coming in the book of Acts. So Ezekiel prophesies about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He looked forward to a redeemer that would bring comfort and peace, Ezekiel 17, verses 22 and 23. And we know that this is a messianic prophecy looking forward to the birth of Jesus Christ. He also prophesied about a shepherd that would love and take care of his people, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 22 through 31. And we know he was looking forward to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. So all of these prophecies are pointing forward to a time that was coming in the lives of God's people. His call to holiness in Ezekiel 44, 23 still rings true today. Amen. Praise God. When we go into holiness, sometimes that's a negative connotation attached to that word. And in the context of today, I'm not talking about what is, how long is long and how short is short. I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about just living. There are some things we do just because it's the right thing to do. We don't lie, cheat, and steal because that's not the right thing to do. We don't do that just because our neighbor might have a ring doorbell. We don't go over there and steal his Amazon packages because that ain't the right thing to do. My neighbor doesn't need a guard dog and a ring doorbell to keep me off his porch. Amen. I do that because I'm a moral, just guy. And I believe that that kind of stuff never goes out of style. We love poking fun at old school until it suits us. I don't know about you, but I want to live in an old school neighborhood with old school people that do right. Amen. That I don't have to worry about coming over and stealing my stuff, harming my stuff, right? So I kind of like old school when we get to that, that part of it, right? I would just as soon not live in a neighborhood where I got to worry about every time I come home going through a hell of bullets to get to my driveway. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like peace and quiet. Amen. I kind of like no stress. <laughs> no drama. Neighbors that do right. I kind of like that. And that is what we refer to when we're talking about holiness is just right living. 
That's what our parents used to call it. Just do right. Amen. So when we look at the book of Isaiah, we, or Ezekiel, we see this, and we see all of this moving forward. I, I think in one of my Wednesday night studies, I talked about the neat thing about the Old Testament. They were looking forward. Then in the New Testament, they were looking at the promise. They beheld the baby in the manger. We have the advantage of looking back at the, at the past and the present, and we are living the future that they prophesied that was coming. This, I believe, is the greatest age of the church. We are living in the future what they prophesied. We are living it. And we are existing in that, and we have seen the fulfillment of the prophecies of God. The name Ezekiel means strengthened by God. He grew up in Jerusalem. He served as a priest in the temple. And he was among the second group of captives taken to Babylon along with King Jehoiakim. And his ministry began with condemnation and judgment of the nation of Israel. After the destruction of Jerusalem, Ezekiel's prophecy spoke of hope and a future that was going to be bright. Ezekiel wanted to help the people learn from their failures and their mistakes. He didn't just beat them up, but he said, listen, guys, there is hope. There's a way back. I hope that in 2020, 2020 I hope is the year of people making their way back to God and saying, I thought it was hopeless and I thought I was done for and I thought everybody in the church would condemn me, but I came back and you guys loved me and encouraged me and told me there's hope. Let's let 2020 be the year of rebuilding, of coming back home, of saying, yes, God still loves me. Ezekiel's first vision was of the throne of God and it included the four living creatures and whirling wheels and fantastic prophecy. He also had detailed visions of the new temple, a restored Jerusalem, the millennium and the land of the people of God that they will reside in. Israel and Judah will once again be restored to unity from the ends of the earth as the glory of God returns and God once again dwells among his people. These visions concern both the immediate and the long-term plans of God. Ezekiel delivered God's message with straightforward language that everyone could understand. It was their choice then to listen or not. The choice is still ours today. We can listen or not. We can listen to the voice of God. We can listen to the voice of men of God and decide then that ultimately it becomes a decision, am I going to do it or not? I wished it was just as easy as I could preach it and people would obey it, but it's not that easy. There is this thing called the power of choice that enters in. We have to consciously make the choice that we're going to live for God, that we're going to submit to the will of God. And then Ezekiel, and I think this is where modern Christianity has strayed off the past. Ezekiel received a warning from God that if he did not faithfully warn of the punishment of God, then he would be held accountable for the blood of those who died in the punishment of God. There is a mandate in ministry. Ministry is just not to be your friend. And I hope that we are. Your pastor is not just supposed to pat you on the head and say, this is great, you're going to do good. But it's like a, a parent and a mandate from God that says you've got to preach the word. And sometimes we need to hear, thus saith the Lord. And we need to have that, that condemnation or that, that conviction put into our life that we say there's some things in my life that are not right that I need to change because I don't want to experience the wrath of God. Amen. 
Ezekiel experienced a lot of opposition during his own lifetime. He was not a very popular prophet. Yet he consistently expressed the desire of God that the wicked not die, but turn from their wicked ways and live. When Ezekiel received the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones in chapter 37, he responded to the question of whether or not the dry bones could live with a very generic response. Amen. Maybe he was just treating it like a rhetorical question. And we have to remember the lesson that Ezekiel had learned. He had seen God move in extraordinary ways. He had seen God stand true to his word. Ezekiel answered, I believe, the best way possible when he just simply said, in response to, can these bones live? He said, oh Lord God, you know. Amen. I think for years we've made a mistake in church or in Christianity that we have got to understand everything about a move of God before we start moving. Folks, there are some things we're not going to figure out, I believe, till we get to the other side. We need to quit trying to figure everything out. After all, if it is my plan from step one to step two to step three, then it's my plan. God's plan has to be step one. I don't have a clue where step two is leading me, but guess what I'm doing? Following God. He said, go, we're going to go. He said, move, we're going to move. And that's exactly what we are doing in the kingdom of God is if I have it all figured out, then it's me and it's not him. God's plan probably will not be revealed to us until we take a step of faith and get to the point where he's leading us. And when we get there, there will be another set of instructions. Amen. I preach that message faith to faith. And when we get to that faith, it's going to require faith to move on into the next phase. And then it's going to take faith to move on into the next phase. And we're going to walk by faith until we see him again, until he comes again, and until we experience that. Amen. Praise God. Doing good on time, so I'm going to go with some handwritten notes. <clears throat> I felt this very strongly today. This is the end of the year. 2019 is in the books. Abundant Life Church, we've been going long, long enough now that we actually have good numbers. We have good statistics. Amen. We're in our 14th, 14th year. 14th year. 2021 be our 15-year anniversary. Amen. I figured we'd get a little positive response there. 15 years, right? That's about three times as long as some marriages last. <laughs> 15 years. That's a milestone. So we've been, we're in our 14th year. We've been going 14 years. So we got 14 years worth of numbers, statistics, uh, history, pictures, Memories and, and we're already planning in 2021 to have this blowout celebration celebrating 15 years as a church in Alabaster. So I went back and looked at some, some numbers and some statistics and some reports. Our first service was in December 2000, 2005. Most of y'all have heard the story. Eight in attendance, five last name Roberts, two Ladies who one had a child, a young child. Eight in attendance at our first service in December 2005. In our home, in our living room. That was the sanctuary. Amen. People came early because they wanted to get a seat on the sofa. 
If you didn't come early, the sofa seats was gone. That's the best seat in the house. Everybody else had to sit in the uncomfortable chairs. <laughs> Amen. I had to be ready early because there's going to be somebody early there knocking on the door. <laughs> Amen. It's advantages and disadvantages having a church in your house. March, two, <laughs> March 2006, we moved to the storefront right across the street. It's a barber shop. I think it's D's Barber Shops on this end of the building. That was our sanctuary. We moved there March 2006, and we moved there with 18 people. We've completely outgrown the living room, outgrew the cul-de-sac, didn't have parking, so we moved to the storefront. And then in January 2009, 39 of us walked across the street and took possession of this building. You can imagine what 39 looked like in this building. I'm like, man, we'll never run out of room in this thing. But if we had the 20 or 25 kids who are upstairs right now down here and those who have stepped out, you'd look around and say, wow, this thing's getting full. Praise God. In 2019, we averaged 83 there at the last of the year. And so then I'm fascinated with numbers. And and these next numbers I'm going to give you have always stood out in my mind. Okay? So from... 17 to 83, we've added 66 people to Abundant Life Church. 66 people. We've had people move off. We've sent people. We've had people pass away. We've had people that just quit. So I wondered, where does 66 come from? So I looked at the numbers. Inception to date, since we've been going until last month, We have baptized 92 people and had 62 people filled with the Holy Spirit. So even though we haven't kept the 66 that we grew by, we have baptized and had people filled with the Holy Ghost. uh, The the 66 or the, the 62 and the 92. We have seen that kind of growth and our growth has really come from We've had people move in. We've had people move out. But we've also had new people that came in and said, I want something more. There's got to be something more. I'm tired of just religion. I'm tired of just going to church. There's got to be something more. And they have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism in the name of Jesus, and they are part of the church. And so as I thought about these, the, this, this, this move that we, these moves that we have made, it, and I'm preaching to myself now. Can I do that? Yes, sir. I feel like sitting out here by Sister Patrice and Brother Tony just sitting out there and preaching to myself. Brother Hillstead, I was very comfortable at the house. There was no pressure. We didn't have to worry about a church payment. That was my mortgage payment. And guess what? I wasn't going to come home one day and Shelby County Sheriff's Department moved my stuff out to the curb. I'm going to pay for the house payment somehow or another. <laughs> That's embarrassing when you come home and all your stuff's sitting outside. Neighbors ask questions then. <laughs> so we were very comfortable at the house. Didn't have to worry about a church payment. We had everything going great. It was nice. It was, it was, it was tight. It was, it was us. We, the pastor knew everybody. I greeted everybody. If it was raining, I could take the umbrella out and get you out of your car. 
So we were very comfortable. And then, and God says, wait a minute, that's not, that's not what I've got planned for Abundant Life Church. So now it's time to move to the storefront. Guess what comes with the storefront? A payment. And so now it's like, whoa, this thing's starting to get serious now. It's more than just hanging around the house. It's more than we've got everything going on. Now we've got to stretch a little bit. And I was blessed by God, and for years I was the, the highest tithe payer of the church. And I'm not saying that to brag at all. It's just the glo- to the glory of God that I always had a great job. And, and you know what? The storefront was there. But I knew in the back of my mind, if this thing folds up, we're still in pretty good shape. But then when we moved over here, Brother Hillstead, it really gets real. Because now that's a big payment and a big upkeep and a big step of faith. And then in 2010, it became even bigger when I lost my job. And all of a sudden, I'm not just the, I I didn't lose my position just as the number one tithe payer. I wasn't a tithe payer. Because unemployment is about 90 bucks a a week. That ain't much. And then I will be honest with you, in 2019, we had a fantastic year. And you'll see some numbers at our business meeting. God has blessed this church. And every year our income has gone up and our, in, our increase has gone up and our, our, our ability to help others has gone up. And I'll be honest with you, in 2019, we're pretty comfortable. I'm getting pretty comfortable. We got this thing like we like it. We got nice lights and nice sound and nice furniture and everything around here is first class. And God has blessed us where we have paid cash for all the improvements that we've done. And we've never struggled. And again, I'm not bragging. I'm saying that very, very graciously. God has blessed us and it felt good. And then lo and behold, the crazy building next door comes available. Oh. Brother Hillstead, now we got to stretch again. Amen. Because we feel like it's God's will to grow again. And the only th- way that we grow is we have to get outside of our comfort zone. And somewhere along the way, we get back to this is God's church. And if I've got it figured out, then God doesn't need me and I don't need him. But if I wake up one day and say, God, you know, when he says you got to build a building, I've got to say, God, you know, I don't know how we're going to afford it. I don't know how it's going to work out. But, oh, God, you know. And I believe that's what Ezekiel was saying. I don't have a clue how bones are going to come back together and how flesh and muscle is going to enter onto those bones. But God, you know. And if you say preach to a bunch of dry bones, I'm going to take a text and I'm preaching to dry bones because God, you know. And you're the one that's got the answer. You're the one that can give life. It's just my responsibility to preach the word, to reach out and faith and say, God, you know. Woo. So in 2020, Brother Hillstead, guess what we're going to do? Step out on faith. Walk into that building and say, oh God, you know. I believe you told us to step out. Amen. Sometimes I believe we need to look at the Bible Logically. Amen. Praise God. I, 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 I looked at the, uh, 
looked at Genesis just to make sure I was right on my facts. But when God called Abraham, Abraham was not some poor peasant. Not pheasant. He wasn't a pheasant either. (laughs) He was not some poor peasant. He was not some guy that was just barely making it. The word says he had many animals and a lot of gold and silver. Abraham had it made before God called him. Amen. See, we like, to, we like to read the Word of God and sanitize it. Right? So, Brother Chris, forgive me, but I was thinking of Brother Chris when I thought of this message. See, I have to count up the kids. Alex, Landon, the twins. Five kids, right? Amen. Five kids, you and your wife. Seven people. Seven people. I can re- relate to Brother Chris because he's in the car business. I was in the car business. I know how all that is. He and I can speak. Brother Randolph is in the car business. We can, we can get together and talk the lingo and the jargon. We've been there, done that. That would be like Brother Chris going home today and saying, guess what, Mary? We're selling the house. Come on. Our nice house we just bought a year and a half ago. We're going to sell the house. We're going to load up everything that our van will carry. The rest of it stays behind. We're going. The first question is, has you, have you lost your silly mind? Come on. You women are looking at me, but that'd be your first question. Are you crazy? Are you having fever with these fits? Right? The next question is where we're going. The answer is, I don't know. Come on, it's in Genesis. God said to Abraham, I want you to leave Ur and all your stuff. And I want you to go. And Abraham says, where am I going? And he said, oh, you'll know when you get there. <laughs> Woo! I feel this very strongly in 2020 for Abundant Life Church. Here's the promise attached to it. My, if you will pack up and go without questioning where you're going and how you're going to get there. God said, when you get there, I will bless you abundantly. I will give you stuff that you didn't work for. I will give you land. I will give you livestock. Your needs will be met if you will take the step of faith and go into Sarah and say, honey, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I just got through talking to God. And God said, leave. God said, go. And if we will go, I will be the father of many people. You can't even number my descendants. And he sold her on a vision. Had nothing to go on. I'm fascinated with Bible history. Guess what? On the way, the Bible says there was a famine. So Abraham doesn't even get to go to where he's going. He has to detour into Egypt. Then he has to split up with his nephew Lot. Then he has all of this heartache. 
But somewhere along the way, Abraham kept thinking about the promise. And he said, if it's sitting in Ur, it's comfortable. I can't get comfortable because I, I feel like preaching to somebody today. You can't have the promise and sit in a comfortable place. It doesn't work like that. We got to decide, are we going to be comfortable? Are we going to step out in faith and see what God is going to do? I don't believe Abundant Life Church was called just to be a social club in Alabaster but this church is planted here as a beacon of hope in a dark world that says the apostolics have arrived in alabaster. If you need to be healed, they'll anoint you with oil and God will heal you. If you need the Holy Spirit, they'll pray the prayer of faith. If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, they've got a baptistry. That is the mission of Abundant Life Church. Praise God. See, it's not up to us to figure it out. It's not up to us to design a program to initiate a move of God. I will tread very carefully here. You guys that have been around any length of time know me. I believe in planning. I believe in, I believe in goal setting. I believe all that stuff. I know it works. I know it works. We've proven that it works. Don't get nervous when I talk about moving out on faith. I've got enough sense to keep my common sense. There's a fine line between faith and folly. I understand that. But if we never move out on faith, you'll never be disappointed. But you will never be content. Abraham could have stayed where he was and been very content and had a good life. But he never would have experienced the will of God. Are we willing to go in and say, God, I don't understand how it's all going to work out. So remember when I started this, this dissertation a few minutes ago, I started out with we have been going 14 years. We're in our 14th year. Brother Hillstead, the rest of the board members of this congregation, I can stand here today and say in the 14 years, God has never failed us yet. We have got 14 years of history behind us where every time God said move, we moved. And every time God said step out on faith, we said we trust you when we can't see it. We trust you when we don't feel it. We're moving by faith. And God has not let us down one single time. I believe if you look at the, the history of those that are found in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, they would say the same thing with their life. God told us to move by faith and we never were disappointed and we never had a need that wasn't met. God always is faithful to those who will follow him. Amen. God's already figured everything out. The word says, Brother Stephen mentioned this, the God that was and is and is to come. God has already seen the future. Amen. God is already 10 years out right now. God is already out 50 years from now. And 50 years ago, God saw this church here today. 
So if God has seen all of that, then why can't we trust him? Because God has already seen it. He's coming back, walking back to us and saying, fear not. I see the future and I'm asking you to step out on faith and I will not mislead you or put you down a dead end or put you in a box where there's no exit. He's already got it figured out. So we have to follow the plan the way he gives it to us. We don't need to add anything or take anything away. The bottom line is God knows what he's doing. And when we are faced with any situation in our life, I need to defer to God and his will. God gets the last vote. Amen. So let's dig a little deeper into this chapter. The rest of chapter 37, the valley of the dry bones. The rest of this chapter has the new covenant in mind. Amen. So we've already seen Ezekiel's prophecy of the messianic coming. We've already seen his prophecy of the people of God being restored. Okay? Now then in chapter 7, the valley of the dry bones, what does that mean for us today? I believe that was a direct prophecy looking forward to the new covenant. Stay with me. Because one of the promises of the new covenant is what? A bodily resurrection. But not just anybody. Amen. Any Paul's body. But it says we will be resurrected with a glorified body. Okay. And then in, I believe it's Philippians, Thessalonians that teaches of what we call the rapture, the catching away. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those of us who remain will be caught together to meet him in the air. And we will see him, right? And we will have glorified bodies. So the thing that gives the church hope today... It doesn't matter how bad it gets and we could sit around and grumble and complain about how bad this is and we could, we could leave here today so depressed we'd just go stand out in traffic and say, just take me out. But there is hope for the church because we know as bad as it gets, one day God is going to show up and rapture his church and we will be gathered together with him and we will make it to heaven and we will live and reign with him. We look forward to that with hope and expectation. So the rapture of the church, the word of God says, comfort each other with these words. So when you feel like you can't make it, you need to talk to somebody and say, I can't wait for the rapture of the church because we're going to leave all this mess behind and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and you and I are going to reign with him and rule with him and we need to comfort each other with these words. So this illusion to a future bodily resurrection is consistent with how other Old Testament passages foretell of a future bodily resurrection. Okay? There are some religions today that don't that do that teaches that the rapture of the church is just a fairy tale. There are religions today, mainstream religions, that, that latch on to the concept of soul sleep, where once we die, we just go to sleep, and that's the end. But that's not true according to the Bible. 
Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. If you study the book of Job, probably the oldest writings in the Bible and probably one of the oldest written pieces in the history of mankind. That's how old Job is. So Job was writing all of this before he, he necessarily knew he knew God, but in the fullness of, of temple worship and, and God cre- being the, the creator and in charge. and uh, He had an understanding of God, but he, he was before all of this was laid out, the law and all of that was laid out. Yet Job, in Job chapter 19 and 20, 25 through 27, in the worst time of his life, comforted himself with these words. You ready? For I know that my Redeemer and Vindicator lives. And at the last, he will take his stand upon the earth. Even after my mortal skin is destroyed by death, yet from my immortal flesh, I will see God whom I, even I, will see for myself and my eyes will see him and not another. Job, in the weakest part of his life, when his wife has said, you fool, just curse God and get out of the way. Don't you know God is punishing you? You don't have a friend left. You don't have nothing left. He's taking everything from you. Just give up. And Job said, I refuse to give up because even though the skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh will I see him, my redeemer and my vindicator. You know what a vindicator is? He makes things that were wrong right. And Job knew I haven't done anything against God. And one day, I'll stand before him and he will justify my actions and he will say, Job, you faithful servant, enter into my rest. And Job comforted himself with one thing, there will be a bodily resurrection. So we see the apostles didn't invent their doctrine of future bodily resurrection, but it was found in the teachings of the Old Testament. Hmm. The allusion of Ezekiel to bodily resurrection is consistent with other passages in the Old Testament. They foretell a future bodily resurrection. And if you look at the combined connection to the New Testament, this supports the understanding that Ezekiel 37 also foreshadows future bodily resurrection. The future bodily resurrection promise of Scripture is one in which God's people will receive glorified bodies that will never die. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 and 49. And this is what Jesus received at his resurrection. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And it's what we will receive at his return. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23. The Spirit also gives the people of God new hearts. And in the same Spirit... It's the same spirit that will raise us from the dead. You're talking about fascinating. Amen. It doesn't matter how long precious saints of old have been dead. It doesn't matter what decay has taken place. When the creator calls his creation... Decay has to relent. Woo. Death 
has to give up that which he says he has. When the creator sounds, when he gives the instruction, sound the trumpet. And he gives the call to wake up. Those of us who are dead in Christ will rise first. And then the rest of us will be transformed from this world to another world. The Bible says in a twinkling of an eye. Listen to this, folks. All of that stuff that was decayed is going to be swept back together. I believe somewhere God has this giant DNA bank out there. And he sees every piece of your DNA and where it fell in the earth and where it is. Amen. Modern science just keeps proving how great God is. <clears throat> Amen. How many people that were unjustly uh, accused and, and, and sentenced and, and found guilty have been freed because of DNA evidence? And how many criminals that thought they had dodged it get a knock on the door and say, you have the right to remain silent. You have a right to a lawyer. Anything you can say and will be used against you in a court of law because we just found evidence linking you to a crime that you thought you got away with. Amen. 99.99999% is good enough. And it is a known fact. Folks, when I finish preaching next week, somebody could come in and sweep this platform and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt I was here. I don't want to gross y'all out before lunch. But I'm dropping hair follicles. Y'all can see that pretty easily. There's flakes of skin coming off of me. I'm spitting all over the place. Right? And somebody come in here and sweep all this stuff up and say, that dude was here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I found evidence. <laughs> I believe at the rapture of the church, God is going to sweep all of that stuff up. And he's going to say, Sister Patrice was here 30 years ago because I found her DNA. And they might have buried her a long time ago, but God sweeps all that stuff up and in a twinkling of an eye, she is transformed where when we see each other on the other side, I believe we will know each other. You know why? Because I see her body and she sees my body and that's what, we, my God, your glorified body's gonna look like you and I will recognize you and you and I will see each other on the other side. And Sister Parker, you won't be, my God, you won't be sick anymore. I'll see you in a glorified state. You won't ever have to suffer again. You and Brother Parker will be just like brand new and we will celebrate because Ezekiel said, I don't know if they can live or not, but if you say so, God, I believe it and I'm gonna start preaching and we're gonna see what happens. Woo. And he preaches. And there's, the Bible says there was a great rattling as those bones began to seek out each other. And then sinew and tendons and muscle came on those bones. And the Bible stood, says they stood up as a great army. 
I've saved the best for last. But even though bones had been transformed and now there's an army of fleshly beings standing before Ezekiel, they were still dead. Woo. Amen. <laughs> and then God told Ezekiel, preach. Preach. Preach and see what happens. And the verses say there was a great sound of a wind that blew across those bodies and then life entered into lifeless bodies. This is a foretelling of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. When the power of God fell on the day of Pentecost, Acts says it was a sound like a rushing mighty wind that, my, that blew into the house where they were sitting and people who were spiritually dead became spiritually alive as the Spirit entered into them, blew into them, and they arose, amen, as a mighty army of people who were spiritually dead, who are now spiritually alive. So Ezekiel 37 that we just thought was a great story. Now we find out was actually prophecy of a day coming in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God would breathe on people. Paul said you were dead in trespasses and sin. Today this city is filled with dead people. Some of them don't even realize they are dead. Right? But they are dead spiritually. But Ezekiel prophesied of a time coming when the Spirit would breathe life into people who were dead and they would be raised up. I believe that bodily resurrection is the wonderful hope of Christian life. And it's tucked away in the Old Testament. All we've got to do is look for it. But more importantly than that, I believe we look forward to the new covenant as a time of spiritual restoration. Amen. I believe we look forward to the new covenant where we were dead in trespasses and sin, but he forgave us of our sins. The writer says, you have become new creatures in Christ. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will change friends. You will change habits. You will change interest. Because the th places you used to go won't appeal to you anymore. And the stuff that you didn't understand about how in the world can you go to church and stay there for three, two and a half or three hours or four hours, why, you can't wait to get to church. That's right. You know why? Because this is where life is. Amen. Folks, I'll be honest with you. I would just as soon, I would rather hang out at the nursery than the funeral home. Amen. 
praise God. We can be honest with each other. Folks, there's not a lot of joy at the funeral home. Something died, right? But there's all kinds of joy at the nursery, at the hospital. You know why? There's life there. There's little babies crying. There's grandpas and grandmas walking around all goofy-eyed because we got a grandbaby, right? Can't control myself. Can I show you my grandbaby? Going up to, to complete strangers. You got just a second, I want to show you my grandbaby. But let me go ahead and warn you, he's the most beautiful baby you've ever seen. And he's the most intelligent. He's already rolling over and he's only hours old. He's, he's got these little bumps on his back. They're angels' wings just sprouted. My favorite picture of my dad, very reserved. Let me say it that way, guy. Very reserved. <laughs> Didn't get excited about a whole lot. I've got a picture of him in the Baptist Hospital, Jackson, Mississippi, after Anthony is born. And he has got the most goofy-looking grin on his face. I'm like, that's my dad? Mr. Scott's Irish, Mr. Reserve, Mr. I don't get excited, show emotion. But when Anthony enters the world, he's walking up and down the halls. He's smiling. He's grinning. He can't stay out of the nursery looking at his grandson. He's celebrating. That's the way it is. When God fills someone with the Holy Ghost, there was somebody dead, walked into Abundant Life Church. But suddenly, there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And they started speaking a language they didn't know. And they arose. They're not dead anymore. They're alive in the Spirit. And we celebrate. We celebrate life. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. January the 5th. 2020 would be a great opportunity for somebody to make a fresh start. The baptistry is clean and warm. We have baptistry robes. You don't even have to bring your own clothes. We'll provide it for you. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you can be baptized. Someone on our staff will baptize you today while you're here. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, all you've got to do is repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then the promise is the power of God will fall in your life. And He will fill you with His Spirit. And you will become alive spiritually. If you are sick today and you need special prayer, the healer's in the house. If you don't know how you're going to make a decision in 2020, you got something in your life that's life-changing. You need some advice. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, 
please go online to www.alcalabaster.com and don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so that you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and have a great week.